Come on. Are y'all ready to have church? Amen. Amen. Well, I heard y'all been all through the repentance stage and all through the guilt and all through the shame, and now you're ready to have the praise the Lord night. Amen. I don't know about you, but I come to do but one thing, and that's to worship the Lord. You know, it's always good to be where somebody is sold out for Jesus. You don't see many pastors that are Jesus freaks. You don't see many churches that are Jesus freaks. But when I met Pastor Mark, one thing that we had in common, he was not ashamed of the gospel. Because the Apostle Paul said it like this, it is the power of God unto salvation. You never know where you're at, who you're going to touch, just by talking about Jesus. And me and him's been to the auctions together, and several times we've brought needs to each other. We'd be on the parking lot, people all over. We grab hands, bow our heads, and begin to pray because we wasn't ashamed, church. That's what's wrong with America today. They're ashamed of the gospel, and it's time that we quit being ashamed of the gospel and let God be ruler of our lives. It doesn't matter about anything else. The only thing that matters now. Jesus is coming, church. He's coming soon. We might not get through this night. You know it? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Because the Apostle Paul said to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be present with the Lord. But tonight, the Lord has just kind of told us to tag team. So Cody may be speaking. I may bump him out of the way. Lynn might bump him out of the way. So you might get a little bit of all of us tonight. But the most important thing is that you get a hold of Jesus. Amen? It's not about us. Because, see, we'll come and go. But if you don't grab a hold of him, then you lost it. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. So we want to create an atmosphere for his presence to dwell. Every Sunday at our church... One of the things that we do, we tell our people is, we have to create an atmosphere for the presence of God to come in and dwell. Because he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. He will not dwell in an unclean tabernacle. Is your tabernacle clean tonight? I know you've been in revival, so I know it is. But for those of you that this might be your first night, get right with God tonight. Because you never know when it might not be, when it might be your last. Amen. So tonight, what we want to do is create an atmosphere for his presence to come and dwell. And we would do that by worship and by praising the Lord. And we just want to tell you tonight, whatever need you have, Jesus is here. He can meet that need. Don't leave the same way that you came. Leave changed and transformed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Cody, are you ready? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. We serve a good God, amen? amen? Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark and Sister Mary, for allowing us to come. How many of you are ready to worship the Lord tonight? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. How many of you are ready to worship the Lord tonight? Come on. Yeah. Woo! And, uh, you know, I, I can't see, but, but when I came in here, you know, and I've always felt such a spirit of love. But it has increased. I want you to know, Pastor. You know what it means to plow? We've all done it. 
And I'm sure that you've plowed some tough ground being here through the many years that you've been here. But can I tell you, Pastor, I believe that it's paid off because as soon as I came in here tonight, my mother began explaining to me in regards to the decorations. But it's not just the decorations. They're beautiful. And if my, my eyes could see it, I would absolutely rejoice with you. But I still rejoice with you because I can feel such a sweet spirit in this place. And I felt it. For the many times I've been here, I felt it. But I just want you to know it, it is increased. And the scripture says that a workman is worthy of his hire. I just want to encourage you. As a pastor, just now starting out, I know what it's like. I mean, I've been plowing the fields for quite a long time. But in evangelism, we have. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But can I tell you tonight... If you continue to remain faithful, Jesus said, if you're faithful over a little, I'll make you ruler over much. Hallelujah. You may be in this place tonight. You may be going through something so insignificant to other people, but it's the greatest significance of your life. You feel like your life is about to fall apart. It's about to fall in shambles. But can I encourage you tonight, just begin to worship the Lord through those trials. Worship the Lord. Praise Him in the midst of it. Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Before we begin that, I want to introduce some special people. I can't see. But here to my left, here to my left, let's give her a big round of applause. Sister Tammy. Accompanying us on backup vocals tonight. And I'm not sure if she's behind her. Is her precious daughter, Tatiana. And behind me, directly behind me, to my right there, is Brother Bobby Villalobos on bass. We call him Mr. Miyagi. And Brother Johnny from CCCC. And last but not least, my beautiful mother standing right here. Listen, Luke chapter 12, verse 28 says, Don't worry about the sparrows. He said because he's watching over the sparrows. And if he watches over the sparrows, he's watching. Come on, Come on get clap your feet. hands with us tonight. Come on. Come on. Oh, he has Jupiter for a pillow. The angel choir for a lullaby. Clouds for a blanket. And the moon is his nightlight. But he don't ever sleep. Because he's busy watching over me He rules the universe from his throne on high Oh, and when I need attention He is by my side He's watching me Yes, he's watching me He's a busy God But on his list of things to do His number one priority Is watching me He's taking care of business, feeding birds and making rain. But he'll stop what he's doing when I speak his name. Cause he's watching, he's watching me. Aren't you glad he's watching you tonight, amen? Ooh, he might be busy painting rainbows. 
making demands pleading but you'll still find the time to make some time for you and me there's nothing no no nothing he would rather do because oh, he knows when I'm in trouble he what I thought that sparrow and the other ones on me he's watching me yes he's watching me he's a busy God but on his list of things to do his number one priority is watching me and you he's taking care of business feeding birds and making rain but he'll stop what he's doing when I God, but on his list of things to do, his number one priority is watching me and you. He's taking care of business, feeding birds and making rain, but he'll stop what he's doing when I speak his name. Oh, cause he's watching, he's watching me. Oh, yes, he's watching. He's watching me. Oh, yes, he's watching. He's watching me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's watching you tonight. believe that when the disciples came together there was a shaking when right. Paul and Silas was in prison there come was a now. shaking come on now help me somebody let's clap your hands here tonight this song says whenever we agree together the Holy Spirit starts to move whenever we agree together the Holy Spirit starts to move Whenever we agree together, His mighty power He will prove. If His children love each other, oh, till their hearts become as one. When two or three agree together, He has promised He will be there and the work will be done. Oh, whenever we agree together, come on, the Holy Spirit starts to prove. Whenever we agree together, clap your hands, y'all. His mighty power He will prove. Let me hear y'all there. If His children love each other till their hearts become as one, when two or three agree together, He has promised He will be there and the work will be done. Well then, when Paul. They were chained in the county jail. Oh, somebody must have been agreeing because the jail began to shake. Oh, the fetters fell off and the doors opened wide. Perfect timing for a big earthquake. Whenever we agree together, how many believe that? The Holy Spirit starts to move. Whenever we agree together, His mighty power. 
tonight. Woo. Hallelujah. How many this of song's... you know that it's important that you don't miss the call? You got to have that call when you're doctor, when you're going to have a baby, there's got to be somebody on call that's going to help deliver that thing. Well, how many of you know that there's coming a break? God said in His Word that the trumpet is You're gonna have to hear that call. Come on, somebody. You better give your heart to Jesus. But you might miss the call. Yeah, He's coming. Yes, He is. Oh, like a thief in the night. Yeah, you better give your heart to Jesus. Oh, you might.
Jesus in this place. He's dwelling us. Yay! Don't miss the call. Hallelujah. You know, y'all are so blessed because you have a full band, but at our church, we only have a, a bass player, which we are so grateful to have, Brother Bobby. And Cody, so what we've had to do is Cody's had to start laying his tracks. But how many of you know that when you be faithful, just be faithful over a little bit, God will make you a ruler of a whole lot more. So I know there's people that's sitting on gifts and callings that God's called you to. But unless you step out like Peter did and say, I don't care if I get a little wet and the storm's a little hard, God. I'm going to still use that gift and talent. So we're calling them in. So you agree with us that those same bass players, those same guitar players and drummers will come in to, to our church at Upper Room. Amen. The song says his love will stand by. How many of you believe God's love changes everything? Hey! You tell me, brother, that there's no hope inside. No, no.
You know, for some of you, uh, the lights may be low in your life. You may not understand what you're going through. But I've got news for you. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. So many people look for pleasure. So many things in this life. Ooh, but what they don't know is he's a pearl of great pride. Just to look to Jesus. And you'll be your guide When the lights are low And the sun don't shine Oh, cause when the lights are low And the sun don't shine Just to love to Jesus And you'll be your guide Oh, and take you through the mountain and the rivers are wide when the lights are low and the sun don't shine. Oh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you face. I got news. You just call on Jesus. He'll help you run away. Because <laughs> He's your one and only Savior. He's your one and only Lord. Just to love to Jesus. He'll open up the door. Oh, just when the lights are low. And the sun don't shine. Look at Jesus. Just to love to Jesus. And you'll be your guide. Ooh, you take it through the mountains and the rivers are wide. When the lights are low and the sun don't shine. Now, all right, here we go. You may be going through something hopeless, but can I tell you, it's not the end for you. It's just the beginning. Because he said he's the author and the finisher of your faith here tonight.
next song has kind of become our anthem. Pastor Mark at our church. I want you to hear these words. It's a t-shirt. We need to get a t-shirt with a cross with this on it. Amen. We're greatly blessed and highly favored. The imperfect but forgiven child of God. We're greatly blessed and highly favored. The imperfect but forgiven child of God. We're greatly blessed and highly favored. Imperfect but forgiven child of God. Oh, we're greatly blessed and highly favored. Imperfect but forgiven child of God. Standing up. this song back when I was going through a trial in my life and I said God I don't understand how I'm going to get out how many of you ever gone through something you don't understand what you're going to get through or how you're going to get through and the Lord began to speak to me and he said listen he said I want you to begin to develop a connection with me how many know that if it's in worship that you begin to develop a connection with the father 
It's no longer about religion, but it's about relationship. Religion is hanging around the cross. Christianity is getting on the cross. And as I began to sit down and I, I, I was just beginning to wonder, Lord, what, what, what's going to happen? How am I going to? And he began to speak these words to me. And I got this song. It's called Precious Moments with God. Ooh, as we walk through ooh, this world here below oh my Jesus oh he is with me wherever that I go and he promised that he would bless me oh wherever my foot shall try oh how I love these precious moments with God Oh, and His love is like a river and it flows from sea to sea His grace is like the ocean cause He gave His life for me and I'm so Oh, baby. 
Sister Mary, if you could go ahead and come on up. Hallelujah. I want to say something real quick. Boy, have I missed y'all. <laughs> it's so good to have y'all back tonight. And what a better way to spend a Friday night. Amen. Amen. Cody, I love you. And this is such an honor and privilege for me just to sing just a little bit with you. I love you so much. Thank you. Oh, I love you too. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what could I ever do that was worth loving you? For the kindness that you've shown. Oh, and Lord, help me, Jesus. I wasted it, so help me, Jesus. I know what I Tell someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm wasting so help me, Jesus. I know what.
Jesus my soul my soul's in your hand. you know there's there's no greater there's no greater love than the love of Jesus. You can sing about love. You can go to sweethearts banquets. You can go to any concert. And they can roll out the red carpet. And they can pour on the red wine. But there's nothing like the new wine of Jesus. I've been to other places on Friday night. I don't like leaving smelling like cigarette smoke. Somebody asked me one time if smoking would send you to hell. I said, no, but it'll sure make you smell like you've been there and back. There was no pulpit. No, that's okay. That's all right. Tonight, me and, me and my, my parents are going to try to tag team this message I want to start tonight by turning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, this is one of the greatest. Yeah, that's fine. You got your Bibles. <laughs> Hallelujah. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul is very adamant. Pardon me, I'm reading from a computer. Yes. I just want to say that really quick because I just told Cody, wait a minute, hold up a second. That's my message. So guess what? It's God's message, amen? So he said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So guess what? It's fixing to be some establishment because I bet somebody already preached that here, didn't they? Amen? Did they preach on 1 Corinthians 13, Brother Mark? Oh, there you go, Cody. Now, Paul says something. Now, listen, church. Paul says, verse 1. Yes, I'm on here. Okay, you're good. Paul says, and though I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do. Love has nothing to do with what you do. It's who you are. Love is not an emotion. Love is a decision. It's not an emotion of the head. It's a decision of the heart. Many people can say that they love you, but how many of you know that love is proven by action? How many of you know that love grew where the blood fell? 
when Jesus paid the price and he went down 2,000 years ago and according to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8 took the keys, led captivity captive, Paul says, and led, took the keys to death, held in the grave, he opened a door that could not be opened by man's effort. Man's effort to please God could not get you to heaven. But it's his love. John 13, 34. He said, one great commandment I give you that you love one another. He said, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. That's going to take some getting used to in this society today. You know, some, some marriages are like uh, potatoes. Have you ever made mashed potatoes, fresh mashed potatoes before? What do you do? You skin them first. Take a red potato and a white potato. And you can tell what they are because you can, they're just bare. White potatoes and red potatoes. And you skin them. And some of you right now, maybe in your marriage, are going through what's called the skinning process. Yeah. And God is skinning some pride off of you. Skinning some rebellion off of you. Skinning some disobedience, some things you don't, you know, oh, I'm used to carrying. Oh, how many of you know a baby loves his pacifier? And when he gets it taken away, he gets upset. When a baby wants his bottle and he's not getting it for the right allotment of time, he gets upset and he starts, wah, wah, wah. And God's trying to wean some of you from some relationships that maybe are doing you spiritual damage. And instead of submitting, you're going, wah, give me back my blankie. Give me back my security blanket. Give me back my bottle. And he's having to skin you. And then what do you do? You turn the stove on as hot as you can. Put the two potatoes in boiling water and watch them sweat it out together. Yeah. That's how marriage is. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight because I can't see either of it. How many of you know? <laughs> I may not get asked back. <laughs> but how many of you... How many of you truly be honest? You've had problems in your marriage. You've argued about this and you've argued about and I'm not talking about marriage tonight. But you've argued about this thing and argued about that and there are many elements of your marriage that have gone wrong. Why? All God's doing is you're just sweating it out. You're just sweating it out. That's all you're doing. Yeah. But how many of you know when you get the mashed potatoes, they're all whipped up, they're all mashed up. Listen, you can no longer see the color of the two potatoes before they were skinned and put into the pot. All you could see was their color, but now their character is in it and the flavor is there and you can enjoy the mashed potatoes because they're all together in unity. That's what love does, church. And sometimes you have to go through a little tough love. And this is what Paul said. He said, you can speak in tongues. You can join a church choir. You can read your King James Bible until King James jumps out of the pages. But can I tell you, if all you do is quote it, but you don't live it, there's something wrong. Wow. I believe it's high time, church, that we come back to what's important. I don't understand how far America has gotten off track, but we have. I was doing a study on the internet this week, and this absolutely puzzled me. How many of you remember the hippie movement back in the 60s? Started the love movement. Everybody was going out and smoking pot and having fun and holding their breath out on the streets to see how long they could do it. And women were wearing bell bottoms, and I don't know how popular that is nowadays. I don't even, I do. <laughs> you got to love him. I think it's the 
know we're going into some rough territory tonight, but please, please help me because we're going to get into some things. But understand, the hippie movement, what did they call it? They called it the love movement. And there seemed to be nothing wrong with it. What was the message that was preached? Harmony. Let's get together. Let's live in peace. Even if it meant experimenting with psychedelics such as PCP and LSD. We're still getting along, right? Love movement. But here's what it led to. It led to 20,000 babies being aborted in America's abortion mills every single day. And can I tell you, church, it equals 4 million a month. And can I tell you right now, they call abortion free love so that the woman doesn't have to take responsibility in taking care of the baby. She can take care of herself and freely love herself. Can I tell you, abortion is simple murder. It's not free love. Pure and simple, that's what it is. Well, I don't believe that a woman is conceived in her womb. Well, can I tell you, church, read the birth of Jesus. It was an immaculate conception. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And if you've done it tonight and you're feeling ashamed, you can be forgiven because can I tell you, he loved you enough, he died for you, and the same life that may have been taken from the unborn baby can be given to you. And when you get to heaven and you see what happened, He'll come crawling up to you and say, I know you may have given me away, but I'm in a better place, and I'm so glad you're with me. Verse 2, though I have the gift of faith, I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. How many of you have been around folks that, I mean, they just absolutely bombard you with their faith? They tell you how much faith they have. They may be running out of money and can still prove. I've got faith. Prophesy. Get in church. Prophesy. Prophesy over the preacher. <laughs> but have not love. I am nothing. Notice what he said. He said I can prophesy. I can have all of the physical attributes of being a Christian. But yet the essential aspect isn't there, and that's the love of Christ that makes me a Christian. What makes us Christians? Is it what we do? Is it prophecy? Is it faith? No. Those are wonderful attributes. Faith may move mountains. Prayer moves God. But love moves walls. Love tears down walls. Jesus loved. He said when he came, he broke the middle wall of perdition. He tore it down. He came that you might have life. John 10, 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly to the full until it overflows. Paul goes further to say, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. We've got tons of feeding ministries on America's streets, but how many of those feeding ministries truly are producing the love of Jesus? They may be going out feeding, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the same people that they're feeding, are they still going back to their drugs on the street? Or are they truly being changed by the love of Jesus? Are they just getting a free meal? Or do they truly receive the bread of life? Because Jesus said in John chapter 6, beginning with verse 51, going down through 58, He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. 
Can I tell you, church, feeding doesn't make a difference. Jesus makes a difference. Not only did Jesus feed, but he was the food. He is the food. He is the bread of life. He's the water in a dry and empty well. Now here we come, we come down to the wire. Love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy. How many of you have ever had to, you've had to maintain some envy in your life? You've had to harness some jealousy in your life. Maybe someone who has something that you want, who has a gift that they're operating in. You'd love to have their gifts, but he said love doesn't envy. Instead, love prefers the other. Then he says, love suffers long. Ooh. Ooh. Ouch. I've been around some people I just absolutely wanted to bite their head off. Because we in America want it now. We want it right now. Now, give it to me. Go for the gusto. And when someone else comes along, who may be a little bit slower. How about when you go, this really makes you get your danders up when you go to the grocery store and you got a slow clerk. And she's new. She's not just slow, but she's new. And she's like, uh, Bill, uh, come, uh, Bill, come here. I, I don't, uh, how do I do this? On every item, and you got to get home. You can, God is saying, no, 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 wait. Will you take the time? To be a silent witness to her by being patient through her slow actions. Love doesn't parade itself. How many people in churches do I know that love to parade their gifts? Make a show of everything. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees would pray. They'd go out on the street. In Matthew chapter 23, they would wear what's called a phylactery. A phylactery was a box that had Hebrew scriptures in it. And they would parade them and tie them on the, 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 the corners of the vestments. And they would wear them and parade them around the streets. Why? Because they wanted others to know how good, how great they were. They paraded themselves. They would form columns in the streets of Jerusalem. Because they were pharmaceutical. That word Pharisee means to be separate from others. I can't fellowship with you because I'm better than you. I can't come to your church because mine's bigger. And I may not fit in because after all, I wear the good, the good clothing and you're just in rags. But James said this. He said, don't abstain the poor from coming in. Love is not puffed up. It's not prideful. What was the sin of Satan? Pride. Five times he boasted. Five times he said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And with one bolt of thunder of lightning, God said, no, you won't. Out. Yes. And I believe God's saying tonight, what is your definition of love? Think about it. What is your definition of love? My definition of love is, is denying myself for my family, for others, for my church people, for those that's less fortunate. When you pass someone on the road and they're having a hard time, stop and pray for them. That's denying yourself 
Man, when you want that new truck or you want that new car, but your wife needs something greater, that's love. When you deny yourself for your family. Because let me tell you, God had to turn his back and give his only begotten son for you and for I. Because that was the love that he had for us. And no greater That's love right. than that is that one would deny himself for someone else. So you can say you love all you want. But if you're talking the talk and you're not walking the walk, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you see these precious people right here that's fighting to build a house for the, for the Lord and fighting to give everything that they have to build this house for the Lord, and you sit back and you have time off and you could come and you could help them and you're not doing it, that's not true love. Because I'm going to tell you, I know this family right here. I know the struggles they've been through. I know they've been without to give you guys something. To build a place that you can come and worship the Lord. To build a place that you can come and lift up the name of the Lord. You know, the Bible says it like this. He says, when you come to the altar. And when you come to bring your gift. When you kneel down at the altar. And you suddenly think. You know what? I just had a fight with my wife. I just had a fight with my spouse. I just had a fight with my boss. God's not going to bless you. He says, leave that offering right there. Leave that right there at the altar. Go back and make things right. And then come back, and then you'll find the favor of God. You'll find the favor of God. Let me tell you, I don't know about you, but it's time that we start praying some bold prayers tonight. You have already been through the repenting stage. You have already been through the salvation stage. Now, you know, when you first get saved, there's a, like a bomb inside of you. Everybody wants what you have because you're excited, you're ignited for Jesus. Something just happened. Where has it gone? Why have you lost it? What has happened to it? You let that love go. The prophet Elijah prayed a, a very bold prayer. The king of Syria had his army together in his chambers, and he was telling them the strategy that he had for war. And every time he would tell them the strategy that he had for war, somehow it would get back to, to Israel, and it would get back to the enemy before even they left the chambers. He said, somebody in the house is forsaking us. Who is it? Somebody is denying us. They're not for us. One bold man stood up and said, oh, king. He said, there's a man, a prophet, Elijah. Said everything that you tell us in secret, he's telling the king in open. People, we need to get to the place that we can stand before God and we can hear his voice. When, some, when our enemies are coming against us, God is speaking it into our ear what the enemy is trying to do to us so that we have a strategy to come against him before he comes against us. So he says, I tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to get this man of God. We're going to show him that we are greater than he. 
He says, gather up. Go find him. Bring him back. Because he said, I've got something for him. You know, the Bible says that if your ways please the Lord, even your enemies will be at peace with you. So here they come looking for Elijah. So Elijah's little servant looks out, wakes up early in the morning and sees him. And he says, oh, my king, my Lord. He said, they're coming. Look out. But he could only see the battle coming. So Elijah prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, truly open his eyes. Open his spiritual eyes, not just his physical. So the Lord opened his eyes, and he looked, and he got scared. He said, oh, my God, my Lord, they're not just in front, but they're in the side. They're all around us. They're surrounding us. We have no place to go. You know what Elijah said? He said, fear not. How many times does the word of God say fear not? You know why he says fear not? Because when you begin to fear, it paralyzes faith. It paralyzes every ounce of your faith within you, and you can't do what God's truly called you to do. So I'm telling you tonight, do not let your faith be paralyzed tonight, but allow yourself to pray bold prayers like Elijah prayed. Let me tell you how God come through for Elijah. They come running. They surround the house. He prays another prayer. He says, oh, God, blind their eyes that they won't recognize me. So here his enemies come after him. They come to get him. They get right to the point where they're going to grab him. And they don't even recognize him. Elijah says, who do you seek? Oh, he says, he's not here. Come, let me lead you. So he takes them, the enemy, and he leads them to Samaria. Leads them all the way like, a, like you lead a puppy. Leads them over there. Then he prays another bold prayer. He says, oh, Lord, now open their eyes. When their eyes were open, they seen the very enemy led them. Amen. Led them while they were blind. That's right. Then they told him, they said, my Lord, should we slay him? Should we take the bow? Should we kill them? He says, no. You know why he said no? Let me tell you what love does. Love says, prepare the table. We're going to feed them, and we're going to send them back to their master. Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Just because somebody wronged you don't mean you got to do something to wrong them. Turn the other cheek. So they fed them, and he sent them home. And you know what happened? The Bible says they were never bothered with it again. Because we serve a God today, people, that is so great. He's waiting on you to pray a bold prayer. He's waiting on you to open up your heart and give you the gift that he's put in you to use to benefit the kingdom. What are you going to do with it? Years ago in Scotland, Ireland, back in the early 1900s. Very wealthy lady, but she was very conservative. How many is in here like that? Come on, you can raise your hand. Your wife's going to tell on you anyway. But anyway, she was very wealthy. 
but no one had electricity. Small community. So one day she decided, you know what? I'm going to take some of this wealth and I'm going to spend it to get electricity. So she calls the electric company. She gets them to come and install electricity in her house. She gets them to get it installed and all hooked up. She flips the light. She's so happy she's got lights now. Three months goes by. The electricity representative comes, and he knocks on her door. He says, ma'am, I'm with the electric company. He says, we installed electricity three months ago, but the meter says you're not using it. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, is it working fine? Oh, yeah, it's working fine. He said, well, ma'am, I don't understand. He says, why is the meter not moving? She says, oh, she said, at night when it gets dark, I flip the lights on. They come on. I light all my candles. Then I turn the light off. <laughs> the Lord said, when you got saved, there was electricity that was put inside of you. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. He says, you use it for a while, and now it, it, it is laying dormant. It is as though it has stagnated. He says, why are you not using it anymore? That's why these revivals are put on, to ignite us, to reproduce God's energy within us so we can go out to a lost and dying world and cause them to come back in. Amen? Amen. How many of you tonight want to say, you know what? That's me. It's laid dormant. I've seen my brother in need, and I didn't help him. I've seen where I could fulfill a spot, and I didn't do it. You know what? Ministry is all over out there. Everywhere you go, in the grocery store, in your workplace, wherever you go, it's there. All you got to do is allow that electricity to come in and flip that switch. When Almighty God flips that switch and you allow your mouth to be open, he says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about what you're going to do. He says, just get up and open your mouth and I'll fill it. And God says, it's time for some of you to open your mouth and allow him to fill you up again. Allow him to rekindle the fire that has gone out. Amen. For some of you, I'm going to conclude with this verse, but for some of you, you're going through a battle. And other people think that your life is A-OK. -okay. You walk by other dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and all they see is a smile upon your face, but they don't see that your heart is tearing apart at the seams. Because the battle you're facing and you're fighting is so ferocious, and you haven't told anyone but you feel all alone. You feel like no one is with you. No one is for you. No one is fighting for you. But listen to verse 7 of this beautiful chapter. And then I'll close. Paul says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails.
It's the love of Jesus that can get you through every storm that you're experiencing. Isaiah 54 and 17 happens to be one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It says, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. For this is the heritage of the saints, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, because you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Stop whimpering about your trouble. Stop talking to your God about your mountain. Start talking to your mountain about your God. You may, you may say within yourself, God, I can't make it. There's no way in the world you could ever bring me through. But can I tell you, his love is with you. His glory is with you. His glory will be your rear guard. You may be facing a Red Sea. It may be in front of you. Pharaoh's army may be behind you. All you see is water. All you see is no direction. All you see is a waste-hounding wilderness. But I've got good news for you. Your storm is over. Your battle is over. You're about to go to the other side. Loose me so God can use me. You were created just a little bit lower than the angels. He's given you time. He's given you an opportunity. Don't just sit there, dormant. If you've got a song, sing it now. If you've got a message, preach it now. If you've got it, bring it now. Now, now it's the most important word in the Bible because now is the time for salvation. You know, as Cody's preaching this, 1 Corinthians 13, what Cody didn't know is that today, Pastor Mark, we really struggled because we was wondering... You know, God, this is such a, you know, love is the greatest thing. And as Cody was bringing this out about 1 Corinthians 13, this is what the Holy Spirit showed me today. What you didn't know, Cody, is that from Kentucky, I got a, my, my friend emailed me something. And, and what she sent me was a, a deal on a, ma- a magazine for the National Prayer, which had to do with the, with the hippie movement. Cody didn't know that. And so I was going to bring that out tonight, Cody, and you brought it out. But today I was just sitting there and I thought, you know what? And the Lord said, Lynn, I want you to get some red balloons. And he said, because I'm simple-minded. How many of you have just a simple mind? I'm just a simple mind. I haven't been to college. and I didn't graduate uh, high school. I have a GED, so if you need to get a GED, go get you a GED. Amen? We need to have a GED. But anyway, today as I was sitting there, Brother Mark, the Lord told me, he said, you know, some of our life, and instead of having these, Miss Connie, uh, Virginia, get these for me. I want you to take these red balloons. I just want you to Can set you them out. Can you unmute his keyboard? Set these, uh, no, on here. Just place them real neat so that way people can get them if they want them. This is what these red balloons represent. Thank you, brother. How many of you know that red is for the blood of Jesus? Yeah. Go ahead and keep that empty paper, baby. You can have it. That's my gift to you. She's our women's leader, so she's all right. But red is for the blood of Jesus. And today he spoke to me and he said, I want you, Cody, you didn't know this. He said, I want you to write all the attributes, one on each balloon. I believe that there's people here because the Holy Spirit can't lie, Sister Mary. When we're obedient, just in the small things, God will make us ruler over the greater things. That's what he told his disciples. They came to Jesus and they said, how many of you have said, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I can't pray the way you pray, Pastor Mark. This is what I tell my little girl. You don't have to say a word to pray. You can weep over somebody and God sees your heart. 
But today, God had me take these balloons and he had me write these attributes on these balloons. And this is what he told me. Brother Mark, can you blow this balloon up for me? <laughs> on that balloon, as the head of your church, this is the man and the woman. And you can't separate one from the other. Because when you are married, two become one. That's a mathematical problem that the world, they don't want to have it anymore. Marriage is something you just don't hear about anymore. But can I tell you how important the marriage is? There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be a credential there because he has a book of life in his hand. And he records his engagement to me. And he records his marriage to me. On that balloon, Pastor, is what he told me today. Love is the defining characteristics of the presence of God in a place. If you go somewhere and there is no love, you better run. If there's no love in your house, you better pray. Because sometimes we think we've lost it. Let me tell you something. After 38 years married to the same man, don't tell me that you can't start having coffee again and sitting on the porch again. It takes a little strategy. It, it takes a little strategy. Yeah. It takes a little self-denial. But today, he began to show me something. I know that there's people here that you don't know Jesus. The way I know that is because he would not have had me do this. But he said, one of these belong to you. Because he took something out of nothing. He reached down to the dust when he was making this vast creation. He reached down and he formed a man. And look what he did. He began to blow. He began to blow in that man's nostrils. And that man became a living soul. From that day forward, that man was tied in. The only thing that could separate him was the fall. But I got news for you. Like Cody said, love is. These characteristics that are on these balloons, this says love is kind. I want some of you, if you're bold enough, if you need more kindness in your life, I want you to come and get this balloon. Don't miss out because let me tell you how big a fool I was for Jesus. If somebody would have told me on the day of national prayer, the first day of national prayer in Dallas, Texas, where Brother Scatolini said what he said, I had overalls on in Dallas, Texas. Old tennis shoes that was all tore up. But when he said, run down here, I ran. I was the first one to the altar. He said, some of you, God's fixing to send you out. And what you used to be, you will never be that way again. I said, Lord, I was beat when I come in this world. I was beat my whole life. But nobody's beat me to the altar today. You hear me. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I need to be either. So don't think just because we're up here, we have it all together because we don't. These attributes, listen to me. Love is not boastful. You got a problem in your life? You need more kindness? What about patience? Who needs more patience? There's more balloons. 
Come and get it. There you go. Listen at this. I'm going to tell you, your life's going to be changed. I don't care what they say. Some of you need to have more action. Come on. Where's your boldness? You better hurry because I only got so many left. Here, Pastor, come get these and give them to your people. This is all I got left. But guess what? Jesus never ran out of wine. He doesn't run out. These right here have things wrote on them. I believe tomorrow for Sunday morning, Brother Mark, you need to have you a whole bunch of red balloons. Don't think, you, don't think we run out. I don't have any more, but I guarantee you one thing. You know what? That's because the sky's the limit. Everything. He reminded me that some of us are like those balloons. Thank you for blowing that balloon up, brother. Listen, guys. If you don't use the breath that God's given you over the little bit that you have, not to be ashamed, but to say, it's okay, Pastor. Boy, do I understand your heart now. Jesus, do I understand your heart? Just a little bit to know how painful it is. Guys, can I encourage you? Some of you have been working in this body tirelessly. I can name you, but I'm not going to name you because God already knows your name. But I believe that there are some of you here today that you're visiting and you're wondering why you're here today. Can I answer that question for you? You're here because it's divine appointment. It's divine appointment that you have to say, you know, trees don't naturally grow in the house of God. When do you ever see a tree growing in the house of God? But the word of God declares that we will become like trees planted in the house of God. That means when the storms come and everybody leaves you, you still go on. You don't leave because God planted you. Your roots run deep in him. Your roots run deep because you remember what he did on Calvary. I'm going to tell you something. To fall in love with Jesus means you never forget what he suffered for you to be his child. Never one day goes by that I don't glory and boast in what Jesus did for me. I am nothing. I am a zero, but he is my hero.